You're listening to the Caribou and Crafter Football Podcast, the newest home for MLS fantasy football. Using a mixture of betting odds, relevant statistics, and the eye test, we aim to narrow down the best teams and players to pick each and every week. So sit back and relax, or get ready to take some notes, because here at Caribou and Crafter, we're going over every detail, so you don't have to. MLS Fantasy 23. Right, game week one is done and dusted. How are we feeling? Yeah, not too bad. I'm very happy given it was the first week. 77 mm. points. Uh, a few 50-50s going the wrong way, as I'm sure is the case for both of us. Yeah. The yeah. likes of selling Stroud at the last minute, selling Bingham at the last minute just didn't go well. But all in all, I'm pretty happy. Captaincy didn't go well. Stuck that on Wagner. Only scored four points. Mm. But it's early days and overall, um, it's difficult to be disappointed. How about yeah, yourself? Um, 72 points for me. The biggest issue was the captaincy. It was between Ladeiro and Gazdag, and I went with Ladeiro because of the projected points touted by the game. As I said, it'd be an interesting experiment to see over the course of the season how accurate that is. I'm not too sure if I'm going to be happy to do that every single week, however. <laughs> yeah, and that, that in itself was a 14-point swing. Um, I did have Bingham at the start of the week as my goalkeeper, and then I let you talk me out of it. I, other people were mentioning, is it is it the right play because of the other goalkeeper maybe being ready for that game or the game yeah, being with postponed the overall? But, you know, mm-hmm. I take responsibility for my own choices, and I thought it was the safer option to go against him, and that's cost me another eight points. So those two choices have cost me 22 points. Like literally yeah. just two choices, 22 points gone. But they were never mine to begin with. And that's the game that we're playing, isn't it? You know, but yeah, we will jump into discussion about players and how they did in game week one throughout the episode. Um, but yeah, to kick us off, there are our scores. And I'm sure a lot of you beat us. But also, I think in terms of decision making, I think we did all right. And I'm happy with the logic behind the majority of choices that we both made for the week. we go into those match day one player statistics let's have a little look at the betting odds for game week two just to give some context to those statistics and how they should be affecting your picks the best odds for the win for the week ahead are for lafc at 1.45 for their game against portland timbers they're also 2.37 for the clean sheet and carlos vela well no games for the la sides in game week one but vela comes in at 2.1 to score I'm really liking him as a pick mm. for this upcoming game week. Columbus Crew with the second best odds despite losing 4-1 in the first round. 1.55 for them against DC United. They also have the best odds for a clean sheet in game week two at 2.23. Cucho Hernandez definitely one to have an eye on. He's 2.25 to get his name on the score sheet. New England Revolution, 1.61 for the win against Houston Dynamo. They're also 2.62 for the clean sheet. Carlos Hill is definitely one to watch. He's 3.0 to score. And Atlanta United, 1.65 for the win at home to Toronto. 
They're 3.25 for the clean sheet. Not as good as some of the other sides with the best odds this week. Definitely because of that fixture against a good Toronto attack, but definitely players to have your eyes on there. Yakumakis, if he's going to get the start, he's 2.38 to score. Almada, after a brace in match day one, it's 2.63 to score. Both definitely top picks for the week ahead. Seattle, 1.75 for the win against Real Salt Lake, 2.62 for the clean sheet. San Jose Earthquakes, 1.9 for the win against Vancouver and 3.25 for the clean sheet. Whilst we also have both New York Red Bulls and Colorado Rapids at 1.95 for the win against Nashville and Sporting Kansas City, respectively. So lots of fixtures this week where the side that's the favourite have slimmer odds than 2.0 and definitely lots of places to be looking differently to game week one. So now that we know who we're backing in terms of fixtures regarding the odds, I feel like it's only logical to look back at game week one and talk about some standout players. And the best place to start, in my opinion, is going to be looking at the defensive bonus performance and the offensive bonus performances. What I've done is I've looked at tackles one, blocks, interceptions, clearances and recoveries for the entire league, every single player. And I've got these stats from fbref.com. So I haven't got it from the game itself because that would take me forever to do because of the format, because of the layout. So it may not align 100%, but to be consistent throughout the season, I'm going to be using FBREF and SofaScore for these stats. So I can't, Yeah, I'm not going to be changing that in between game weeks for whatever reason. So yeah, looking at tackles one, standout player was FC Dallas Marco Farfan with five. Into Miami's Kristsov, I can never say his name properly, six blocks. And Justin Glad for Real Salt Lake with six blocks as well. FC Cincinnati new boy Santiago Arias, ex-Atletico Madrid player, five interceptions. St. Louis, Tim Parker with nine clearances. And Joao Paulo at Seattle with 15 recoveries. So there you stand out players um, across each individual KPI. Overall, though, Real Salt Lake's Jasper Lerfelsen does lead the way. And I use a relative point scoring system where I divide into the best performer per statistic. And that's where mm-hmm. we go from. And we sort of go from that point onwards. So yeah, Lifson top, Adias second, Remy Walter third. Actually, pretty decent performance from the Sporting Kansas City man himself there. So potentially a decent shout at different points throughout the season, for sure. And then offensive bonus points. For crosses, Carlos Hill and Hector Herrera both getting four accurate crosses. Ryan Gould way out in front with key passes, seven key passes compared to second place with four. And then Ryan Gould as well, two big chances created, as well as Jordan Morris with two big chances created. So no shocks there. Ryan Gould, top of the offensive bonus RPS system as well. And Carlos Hill and Hector Herrera making up the top three. So jumping back to the defensive bonus performances there, obviously, as I did mention, Remy Walter sporting Kansas City, 12 recoveries, two clearances, four interceptions, one block and three tackles. So overall, pretty decent performance there. Um, And unlucky not to get more points this week, I think. So he's going to be potentially a decent shout, mainly because of those recoveries and interceptions. Seems to be quite a solid defensive player. Yeah, and I expect him to have much more chances to replicate that in game week two, the away fixture. Yeah, it's not a nice one, but it's definitely an opportunity to gather more defensive bonus points. So if that's where yeah. you're targeting, 
then he's definitely not a bad shout. And I think just going back to the offensive bonus points as well, you know, Carlos Hill, like, ranked second overall for the bonus performance, got a very, very nice fixture. He's going to be so many people's captain this week just because of the fixture and because of his reputation. But also, he's not only just going to get a goal or an assist as well, he's going to rack up these bonus points as well. I think yeah. he's, he's the leading captaincy pick for this week by a mile, by a mile. And as much as I have a lot of respect for Ryan Gould for his performance last week, and we will come on to that in a little bit more detail shortly because we've got some more juicy stats to sink our teeth into, especially with him. You've still got to think about the fixture. You've got to think about the odds. You've got to think about what the team's going to do. And let's face it, New England Revolution are going to win. They're going to score goals and Hill is going to be involved heavily and he's going to potentially on for a Gazdag Hall this week, in my opinion. Yeah, what I, I mean, his, his creative statistics in game week one suggest that there's a lot of potential to come from him. Created a big chance, three key passes, four crosses, 24 forward zone passes as well. Like he's always involved in their attacking plays. And as mentioned before, he's only 3.0 to score. So mm. he's going to be getting those big returns where they matter as well. Just before we jump into all of those lovely, lovely stats, really, really quickly going to turn our focus towards projected points and what happened in game week one regarding those Obviously, this is going to be a season-long project from myself. I'll be recording projected points before every single game and then logging every single player's actual points return. Yeah, it's it's about as interesting doing it as it sounds like it would be. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not particularly fun, but the end result is going to be worth it, I feel. I really yeah. do. Obviously, no surprises for who overperformed the most this week. It was it was Philadelphia Union man Gazdag. 7.1 projected points, returns 20 for an increase of 12.9. Mosqueda at Portland, projected points 2.6. So his return of 15 is an increase of 12.4. Kuditsov at Inter Miami, 2.7 to 14, so an increase of 11.3. Um, and then we've got two more players who scored 10 or higher on their delta. That was Kessler at New England Revolution, projected four, got 15. And then Morris at, at Seattle Sounders, 4.3, up to 15. So they're your biggest overperformers in regards to projected points. Let's see what it looks like over the course of the season. We're never going to be reacting to one, to one week's worth of data as if it's the Holy Grail, as if it's completely exhaustive, as if we know exactly how to react to it. But in terms of those players, any one of those players with an all right fixture this week stands out as a decent option. Do also have to bear in mind the value system. I think value is going to become more and more of an issue as we go on. And, you know, this is why it swayed my picks this week a little bit. And we will come on yeah. to that later towards the end of the episode. But value is something that I'm taking far more seriously after seeing the fallout from game week one. I think it's definitely worth recognising as well that three of the five players there that you mentioned with the overperformances of their projected points are goal-scoring defenders. Like yeah. Defenders every week are likely going to have lower projected points than the attacking players. But if they're scoring, they're going to be getting those 0.5 huge increases. Mm. So predicting the defensive players that are going to be getting those huge hauls could be huge to accumulating value throughout the season. Like yeah, two of the three defenders currently in my starting 11 for next week increase 0.5 in the week. Mm. Do I think they can do it again? Possibly so. That's why I'd go for them. But yeah. unless they're going to be in and around there every week, unless they're going to be consistently looking like scoring, it might not be worth stacking on them. 
And I do want to quickly turn attention to a play that we did mention in episode one. That's McGraw, Portland Timbers. I did say, yes, if he gets more minutes this season, I think he's a really, really good shout as, as an option. I really, really do. And projected points, 3.2, returns 11. He's gone up in price, looked really good as well. Now, obviously, this isn't the week to bring him in, <laughs> you know, Los Angeles away. But overall, over the course of the season, could be a player that we should be keeping an eye on for sure. Yeah, so picking out those goal-scoring, high-scoring, attacking-involved defenders this week is is going to be important, both to mm. points and accumulating value. Two names at Atlanta who performed really well in game week one, Gutman and Lennon. Gutman, four key passes, two crosses, four tackles, five clearances, all really strong. Lennon, just two key passes in comparison. The same for crosses. Nine more forward zone passes, which indicates that he's going to be getting involved perhaps more than Gutman in the long term, but far fewer defensive contributions. So it's a diff- it's an interesting battle to choose between them going forward. This week, I'm probably more likely to go with Gutman based on match day one alone, yeah, just because he's getting these bonus points at both end of the pitch. And there's that little 0.4 price difference that it can be put to good use for sure. Yeah. Sticking with defenders... Graham Zusi at Sporting Kansas City. If we look at progressive carries, only two, so nothing stand out there. But in terms of progressive passes, 13, and progressive passes received, 12 as well. So when we look at progressive carries, progressive passes, and progressive passes received, he ranks fifth for the entire week. So 6 wow. million, he looks an all right shout going forward in certain games, I would expect. And then when we look at Expected assists and key passes, zero for both, right? But hold your horses there because, again, this is the RPS system, right, where we're dividing into the top scores. So he's got zero for both of them, right? Then when we consider passes into the final third, passes into the area, progressive passes, total distance covered through passes, and then total distance covered through progressive passes, and the percentage of the total distance that could be considered progressive distance, He's actually seventh across all those metrics, even when scoring zero for expected assist and registering no key passes. And the main reason for it is because he completed 12 passes into the final third, two passes into the area, 13 progressive passes, as as we've already mentioned. But his total distance covered from passes, 1,108 yards, which is one of the best in the league for the first week. And the progressive distance covered from his passes, 527 yards, which is the best of any player that I've got listed um, across those metrics, across 27 players. So that means 48%, 48% of the total distance has been covered by progressive passes. So progressive distance covered through those passes, 48%. Yeah. I mean, he's ticking boxes there. He's ticking boxes. So if he carries on doing that, and again, it's one week of data, fine. But if he carries on doing that, XA key passes surely going to be going up. Surely going yeah, to be going up. Yeah, he's doing all the things that show right signs of those things trending in the positive direction. So absolutely want to be keeping an eye on going forward. Another major defensive debate for me, at least going into match day two, is who to pick from New England. As we mm. mentioned before, one point six one for the win, two point six two for the clean sheet. We've got Bay and we've got Kessler. Now Kessler was obviously the one with the monster haul in game week one. He scored from three shots the most of any defender also tallied eight clearances which was a league leading statistic but then you've got to consider by as well 
He put two shots in, had 18 forward zone passes, four clearances himself. And looking back to last season, he completed 34 shots and 48 key passes, which show that his statistics are probably only going to go in a positive direction going forwards. And that's probably going to mean that I'm picking him over Kessler for game week two. Three shots for Kessler in one game week seems like a real anomaly. And yes, he did pay off in big fashion for any owners out there. But yeah, buy for me at 6.5 is going to be the pick of the bunch at New England. Another couple defenders who are leading my selection going into next week, Roldan at Seattle. He was he had the most forward zone passes of any defender in the game with 31 and was involved throughout. He scored nine points last week and got himself a nice little 0.5 price rise. He's mm. straight in there for the game against Real Salt Lake City. Palacios for LAFC as well. Yeah, Obviously didn't have a game last week, but last season in fantasy, he was the third highest on points per game for defenders under 6 million. He was 0.25 points per game above fourth place, so he really was a standout among cheaper yeah. defenders. Tallied five assists, 39 key passes, and 384 final third passes. Mm. He was in the right areas all the time. And to add to that, his defensive contributions were right up there as well among the LAFC defenders. 98 tackles, 54 interceptions. He's going to be getting you points all over the pitch. Six million is cheap. Six it million is. is cheap for him. He's straight in my team and he should be in everyone's team. I don't know why you wouldn't have him for this week, really. There's value there, even at six million. And I do want to come back to one name that you've mentioned there. Roldan at Seattle. Great pick. Almost went with him. And again, I can say this for so many players. Almost went with him. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Who cares? Shut up, right? But yeah, Roldan. Both Roldans for Seattle were quality. I watched that game. I thought Seattle were really good. Okay, maybe the scoreline flattered them a little bit, but they were, they were confident. They were confident with what possession they had. And they were really efficient with the shots that they had and the passes that they played. They just looked strong. They didn't, they didn't go crazy, but they just looked good. They looked decent. And yeah, okay, Colorado were not great. Let's face it. Abubakar at fault for at least two goals. Looked dreadful. Really, really wasn't very good at all. <laughs> but yeah, Roldan, really, really good performance. The reason why I don't have him so far is because I am trying to back value a little bit more this week. Omsberg, Chicago Fire, 4.5 million. Decent Bargain. fixture. Decent fixture as well. I know my man Talismanio for New York City, they looked awful. They looked so bad. They looked dreadful. I watched the Nashville game and it was embarrassing at points, in my opinion. So 4.5 million. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a clean sheet in that game. So now watch Talismanio get a hat trick, obviously. <laughs> but 4.5 million, if he does, you know, he's, he's a decent player as well. Mm. Decent player. Really, really big opportunity for a rise there. On the topic of cheap defenders as well, I'd like to give a mention to Paul Marie of San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, they're 1.9 for the win this week at home to Vancouver. And last season, he tallied 30 key passes, 25 shots and 55 tackles. So if you're looking for a cheap player, he's just 5.5 million. He's someone I can see being squeezed into my side. Just while we're talking about defenders still, I think Lovkin at Nashville had a really good game on a couple of corners, on a couple of free kicks. Wasn't throughout the entire game Liao did take some as well but he looked really good really confident performance decent player may not have set the league alight statistically speaking but the eye test he passed it for me so going forward he's one to look at as well
So leaving the defence behind, let's look at a few more attacking options that we could go for. As we've previously discussed, Ryan Gould had a very, very good game week, statistically speaking. 0.4 expected assists, seven key passes, three final third passes completed, eight passes into the area. Um, you know, decent progressive distance as well. Really good overall performance. The same can be said for Nicholas Ladeiro at Seattle. Might not yeah. have got you a return. He was my captain. Very, very happy with that choice. And I think he played really, really well. 0.7 expected assists, four key passes, five passes completed into the final third, four passes into the area. Really good overall performance from him. It has to be said. And he was integral to three of those goals. You know, one yeah. of them was a cross come shot into the box hit Abubakar in the face or the chest or something, flopped off him like a wet fish, fell in front of the line for Morris to just jump into and head it over the line. So, of course, Ladeiro gets no assist for that. Another <laughs> one, he's in the box and he drills it into the six-yard area. Abubakar again stops it, then falls over. And then I think it was Haber who tucked away the rebound or I can't remember who it was. Really poor goal. But again, without Ladeiro, that didn't happen, but no assist. Um, and then the third one from him, corner into the six-yard area again, hits about three players, and then Morris heads in again from a yard in front of the goal line. No assist. On another, Brutal. In another game week, he would have got 15 points, 20 points yeah. for that. Really, when you're looking at that, it was a really good performance, and he should be in your team for this week, in my opinion. I, I, it's, it's annoying that he got six points as my captain, but he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere at all. Ladero versus Morris could be a real debate for some people this week. Having seen Ladero perform, majority of his performance came through his creative statistics and mm. Morris, obviously the man who came away with the points. But if you could only have one of them in your side, you're saying it would be Ladero? Yeah, I mean, so Jordan Morris got 1.4 XG, non-penalty XG as well, because he didn't take mm. a penalty. So he did pretty well for that. But then if we look at his bonus performance in regards to offensive points. One cross compared to Ladeiro's three, two key passes compared to Ladeiro's four, but then he did create two big chances compared to Ladeiro getting zero. But Ladeiro's done more to suggest that big chances are more likely for him than Jordan Morris. Yeah. And let's not forget, Morris did score two goals basically on the goal line. And that's good. And that's decent, you know, and it's high value XG's fallen to him in a lethal area and he's taken advantage of those opportunities. And that's great. And that's what you want from a goal scorer. And that's where you're going to get points. Brilliant. Fantastic. It's not going to happen every week. It's not going to happen every week. And he was decent and I was impressed with him and he passed the eye test for me. But if I'm choosing between one of them, I'm going Ladeiro all the time until I see something a bit more substantial from Morris. So yeah, for me, that. I think it makes way more sense to get Ladeiro than Morris. If I had to choose, I would agree. It's not even a choice in my head. I would agree. It's that overwhelming, just overall attacking involvement. Uh, forward zone passes as well, 34 for Ladero in comparison to just 15 from Morris. So Ladero is going to be involved very consistently, even if this week was an anomaly. Yep, it happens. But going forward, I think Ladero has to be the man. He'll be straight in my team for next week. And there is a player that we haven't talked about yet who I think we need to. He is inevitable. Thiago Almada. Oh, sensational, yes. sensational. Two world-class goals. Let's face it, that free kick was insane. His goal beforehand was gorgeous. Genuinely big, big player. Both goals coming, I think, 92nd, 93rd minute and then the 98th minute to turn the game yeah. around and win it. Insane. 
huge mentality, huge balls on the guy and just quality, quality performance. And when we start looking at his statistics as well, it starts to get a little bit scary and it's a little bit concerning. If you don't own him for this week, I would I would advise that you do. Um, eight progressive carries, most of anyone. 18 progressive passes, most of anybody. Um, and seven progressive passes received puts him way ahead of the next best player across those three metrics, which is San Jose's Christian Espinosa. Also returned eight progressive carries, returned just three progressive passes though. So took yeah. the ball forward well, Espinosa did, didn't play the ball forward that well. So you've got Almada and Espinosa carrying the ball forward at the same rate, the same frequency, then Almada's playing six times the number of progressive passes. And on top of that, he's shooting for fun. Eight shots last week, mm. the most of any player in the league. 50 forward zone passes, nine clear of anyone else in the league. He's he's just a man on a mission. Like that game was his. He took it by the scruff of the neck when it mattered. And next week, yeah, he, he's straight in my team. He's not going anywhere. And he also registered the highest number of touches in the attacking third, 57. 57. He's just the top of everything. <laughs> And the next best player, Ryan Gould, with 36. Wow. Yeah, he's... 21 more than the next best player. Just ridiculous. Two touches in the area. Not as good as some players. For example, Seattle's Christian Roldan. 10 touches in the box. Okay, so, you know, <laughs> that's 45% of his touches in the attacking third came in the penalty area. So mm. he's getting forward. He's getting involved a lot. And he looked very, very, very good. And then we come on to live touches. Uh, Tiago Almada, 98. Alex Roldan, 91. Graham Zussi, 81. So again, Zussi cropping up there. Um, mm. Again, in another nice statistic. As we've already mentioned, Almada is way ahead for carries. 78. Second best, Graham Zussi, 56. Genuinely, this Zussi guy. He's, he's, he's everywhere. He's coming up in a lot of these areas. He really, really is. Um, but then you look at this. Now this, this is my favorite statistic of the week. Tiago Almada. Total distance carried 646 yards. The next best player is Rodolfo Pizarro at Inter Miami, who I was very impressed with, by the way. Very, very good player. I like the look of him a lot. Next best player, 343 yards. <laughs> so 306 yards more he's carried the ball than the next best player in the league. It's ridiculous. And the progressive distance carried 346 yards. So that's actually more than the next best player carried the ball in total. Yeah. The guy is a beast. He is an absolute beast. 54% of his distance has been progressive. And then we come on to carries into the final third. And Thiago Mada, surprise, surprise, tops the list there as well with eight. So the guy's done a lot. He's been everywhere. It seems like a moot point to even talk about him. He's, you know, that, that's, a, that's a phenomenal performance. It really, really is. You can't overlook him, can you? No, I, I really don't think you can. And to pair with him as well, potentially, Ibarra uh, mm -hmm. Atlanta had a great game. He I made 38 final zone passes, yeah. which was the third of anyone in the league. Yeah. Tallied five tackles as well. And he's only rised by 0.1 million. He's now 6.1. So if you can afford yourself a cheaper midfield spot, he could be a really nice differential. I've not heard much talk about him. And I could be very, very tempted. Then again, you can look down to value even further with the likes of Stroud. Well, his game week one performance was just phenomenal relative to his pricing. Started, got the goal, came away with a double figure haul. 
some great statistics in there as well. Created a big chance, three key passes, four tackles. Mm. I can really see myself dropping down another million to him or going one step further and going to Noah Buck at New England Revolution. Certainly he value. Looks, yeah, certainly value. Certainly yeah. value. 4.3 million and was very much involved in the first game of the season. Created a big chance. 20 forward zone passes himself. Three tackles, four interceptions involved at both ends of the pitch. So with the fixture in mind, he could be some excellent value and a definite price rise. And just going back to Franco Ibarra really quickly, um, this is where we need context when looking at stats like expected assists, key passes, that sort of thing. Because when you look at his underlying data across other other metrics, we see something that's rather pleasing. 14 passes into the final third, which is more than Almada, more than Hector Herrera, more than Zussi. Okay, so leading the way there. One of those passes going to the area, so not fantastic. Again, it's where we get even more context to a final third pass. Where are those yeah. passes happening, right? So only one into the area, not great, but still a lot a lot of value in his final third passes there in terms of the quantity that we're getting. Um, 13 progressive passes and decent progressive distance through those passes. So he is one that is on my list as well as a potential. He's got some decent underlyings there, not as amazing as Armada, but in conjunction with Armada, could be a nice pick. And putting yeah. in a team like Atlanta, when you've got someone like Armada and those are the players around him, that's going to help him potentially as well. I'm just going to come back to the eye test here as well. I'm going to talk about a couple of players that I watched this week who I was impressed yes. with and wasn't impressed with. Inter Miami, I've already mentioned Pizarro. thought he had a really decent game. Jean Motta as well. They both looked really nice just behind and to the side of Stefanelli. And Stefanelli is a player that we have a bit of bias towards because of our Svenskan. Very, very hardworking player. Offers a lot across a lot of creative metrics. And over the course of the season, I think he's going to be a standout player. And I think he's going to be one of Inter Miami's best players this season. Now, he did go off injured. I don't know what the situation is with him. I do think if Stefanelli's out, then the appeal of players like Pizarro and Motta and those ahead of him are going to diminish. Because I don't know who else is going to play in the hole. And I don't know how good they are compared to Stefanelli as a number 10. You know, I don't know. Um, but when they're all fit, I'd like any one of those three. And Stefanelli yeah. being six million is the cheapest and playing most advanced does stand out as a nice pick and a forward as well. So all of those pass the eye test for me. Lapalainen at Montreal does really well for touches and carries and progressive passes, all that sort of stuff played really, really well. Schaffelberg at Nashville. Yeah, he got a goal, looked lively throughout, looks a decent player. Pellegrini at New York City was dreadful, basically. That's enough said. That's enough said. <laughs> Useless, genuinely. Talismanio was frustrating. So he actually does all right for progressive carries. Okay for progressive passes. And he's received quite a few progressive passes as well. The thing is, what he's done with that hasn't been great. So he's in the right area. He's picking up the ball in the right area. And he's doing a lot of things like that, which are decent in terms of his movement on the ball. But in terms of creativity and shooting, a lot to be desired, which is yeah. a bit unfortunate there. And then... I would just say Yappy at Colorado looked lively early on in the game, did diminish towards the end. So a little bit hit and miss with him. I think there's potential there. Portland, I was very impressed with Mosquera and Moreno. Mosquera in particular looks really, really good. It's a shame that they've got such an awful fixture this week because he looks like a really, really good option. But hopefully they have a poor game. He doesn't play well and his price comes down. So he's easy to get in for the, for the week yeah. after. That'd be lovely. <laughs> And then just to finish, um, Sporting Kansas, Agada 
should have scored in that game, missed a chance. Uh, that really was a huge opportunity for a goal. Looks like the kind of player that if you feed him well, then he'll do well. But if you're going to rely on him to do much on his own, you're going to be left for wanting. Really isn't that mm. kind of player. Tommy was probably their best player along with Remy Walter. Tommy had three shots, I think, in the first 24 minutes. Forced a couple of quick, smart saves from Bingham. Looked very, very likely. When he went off, they really struggled to do much without him. So going forward, he could be a pick as well. Shall we jump into our yes. team selection for this week? Um, yes. I know we have we have kind of talked about our defence up to this point. For me, going into midfield, I think it's pretty straightforward. I've got Almada, Carlos Kiel, Ladeiro as absolute definites. I've also got Los Angeles Cifuentes, just because he's 8 million, and it's a really nice fixture. I think he could have a really, really nice week. And then I've got Leuven at St. Louis at the moment. 7 million, had a good game last week, and some decent underlying stats there as well. Decent opportunity for him, I think. I don't mind their game this week. I really don't. Charlotte FC, the odds are about as even for each of them to win that game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's not like it's a really awful fixture. They surprised people last week um, and he looks a decent player. So for me, yeah. he's in at the moment. May not be uh, when it comes to crunch time, but at the moment he is in. And then my forwards, I've got Cucho Hernandez and Apoku at Columbus and Los Angeles respectively. Um, Yarborough is my goalkeeper and he's on my bench as well so he's yes. not starting I've learned that lesson learned that lesson <laughs> my squad at the moment going into game week two I have Sirois in goal of Montreal I'm not sure on the status of the first choice goalkeeper but he came off injured in match day one and the player who came on to replace him is valued at just four million mm. has the later fixture so is my starting goalkeeper for the time being also have Schulter on the bench 4.3 million the start for he's an opportunity yeah like if he's going to play and we know that he's going to play then he probably will be my goalkeeper because it's going to save me another 1.1 million ahead of Yarbrough so yeah if he's playing then he will probably be my goalkeeper as well defense I've already mentioned all of by Roldan Gutman Palacios I've also kept Wagner in there for Philadelphia it just looked like a great player throughout last season and I'd be scared to go without him Another player in a similar vein is Gastak, who I've selected in my midfield alongside Almada, Hill, Ladero, and Noah Buck, who currently sits on my bench. And the front three as it stands, I've got two Minnesota attackers with buys and Carlos Vela of LAFC. He's one who I think could easily be overlooked given he didn't have a match day one fixture. You can't really be like find him in the statistics, but he is there and he is a menace. Last season, 12 goals, 12 assists. I don't think you can call him overlooked. He is 10.5% owned. Is he? Okay, fair yeah. enough, fair <laughs> enough. Perhaps not getting as much talk about him just based off match day one, though, as the likes of Almada, Gustag, who've already had the chance to explode onto the scene. But yeah, last season, 24 direct goal involvements on penalties, 89 key passes and 56 crosses. So going to be getting involved in the attacking bonus as well. LAFC with the best odds for the win this week. Yep. Vela 2.1 to score. I th- he's straight in for me and will likely be my captain in the opening fixture of the round. Yeah, uh, captain for me at the moment, it's going to be between Hill and Almada. Almada does have the higher projected score than Hill by 0.3. So if I'm going to stick to that idea of following that project, then it's going to have to be Almada. 
you know, I think either is going to be fine, in all honesty. I yeah. think it's going to be a difference of a couple of points. So, yeah, that will be an interesting decision to make. But I think we both got pretty strong teams. I think a lot of these players will pick themselves, but I think there is a decent opportunity to go with slightly different players this week as well and not get bogged down too much in Philadelphia, in my opinion. I don't think you need to back Philadelphia Union with two players this week. I disagree with sticking with Gazdag and Wagner. Intimali look good as well. I don't think they're going to be rolled over at all. I can't see them conceding two, three, four goals in that game. Maybe they can see two, maybe it's a two-all draw, I don't know. But to me, there's more apparent value and opportunity for points in other games this week. Um, and I, I certainly wouldn't be backing anyone going to Inter Miami after that decent performance from them in game week one, regardless yeah. of how good Gazdag and Wagner are. But yeah, again, completely respect that. Like, but the thing, backing the home fixtures makes a lot of sense yeah. this week. But then, yeah, as you rightly say, it's the age-old get thing. a couple goals. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be them players. It's the age-old battle between player, form, fixture. You know, mm-hmm. which do you go with? Is is there a player that's fixture-proof? Is there a team that's fixture-proof? You know, does form mean more to one player than another and to one team than another? They are the decisions that you have to make for yourself. And you've got to be yeah. happy with that when you go with them. I think that's us for the week. Yeah. I think that's us for this week. The only other player that we, that we haven't really mentioned is Lucas Salarian at Columbus Crew. Seems to be a glaring omission from both our teams and considerations. It's very, very scary to go without him this week. Really, really good odds for Columbus Crew. So I think what I'm doing is I'm just pretending that he doesn't exist. And then it's just not an <laughs> issue for me to deal with. You see? Who? So leaving it till the very end of the episode to talk about kind of makes him less of a threat. Yeah. So yeah, I think and if we just we pretend can... if we if we collectively all of us pretend that he doesn't exist, he's not going to do anything and we'll be fine. And then we can't be upset if he does because he doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's not real. He's Sounds not a like thing. a good solution. <laughs> yeah. Right, are we done? Finished? Yeah, all good. Cool. Right, see you on the next one. <laughs>